And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that local shouting. It's Dinger and Jay. It's Dinger and Jay. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Pal, it's all you need, Jay Morrison of the Athletic. Excited to be with you on a Tuesday. It's April, Jay. Yes, it is. Do you know what that means? I do. It means several things, but most of all, mock drafts. Mock drafts. All day, every day. Draft analysis, mock drafts. Refresh, 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 refresh. Everybody wants all things draft, and we're going to give it to you. Wall-to-wall coverage coming your way all month from us here. Uh, Starting today, and you know, our idea today is, look, you guys are doing the mock draft simulators, you're posting your mock drafts every day, you're yelling at people that post mock drafts, you're analyzing, you're posting video, you're analyzing tape. <laughs> so let's just, let's, let's try to talk through this, what you should know in regards to the mock draft world, where the Bengals are at with it. And I thought, you know, no better place to do that than to bring in our good friend from CBS, Ryan Wilson, who uh, leads their draft coverage, um, he has the first pick podcast with Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, uh, and tons of mock drafts and draft analysis. He's been going around in the combine, pro days, uh, you name it. Uh, he'll be at the draft in Kansas City. Just uh, does a fantastic job over there. Good friend of the program. So I'm going to bring Ryan on to talk all things mock draft and, and sort of the draft setup for the Bengals. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he, I, I met him for the first time. You introduced him to me at the Combine um, this this year. And uh, just not only great at what he does, but just a, a great, fun guy to, to be around. And so I think you guys are uh, really going to enjoy that conversation with Ryan. Yeah, great conversation with him. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, before that, we're going to kind of t- talk through a little bit of the mock draft world, help you uh, sort of make your way through it and where the Bengals sit and talk through. Uh, I did a mock draft last week uh, that we can touch on some of the the conversations and decisions that are happening at different levels of the drafts. Just kind of a, a little bit of a quick template walking through the seven-round mock draft and, and some of the things that we are hearing and thoughts on how it will shape up uh, for the Bengals now that we're kind of all the way through free agency and, and fully into some of the, the draft analysis here. You know, top 30 visits are happening, pro days are wrapped, um, all that stuff. Um, Thursday, we'll be back Thursday uh this week uh we're gonna go a little bit more into Bengals trends Bengals history where you know who 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 are these guys now you know since zach taylor took over i i have a story up today on looking back on the 2020 draft which i always like to do when looking back three years and the lessons learned and i thought that draft they they beyond joe burrow is the obvious they really found themselves they found their type they found who they want to be in creating a team. And I think you've seen that ever since. And it was interesting to see their evolution from the disaster of 2019 in a lot of ways 
trading up for Ryan Finley and Michael Jordan and like all kinds of weird stuff going on there. Um, the sample pick, but you're talking about a team that really learned about themselves. And I think you've seen them be that ever since. And that's important as we look at who they're going to be this year. I think there are a lot of lessons there. You can read that story up on the site now, uh, but we're going to get more into some of the trends of the new Bengals and some of the old Bengals um, Thursday. We're, and to do that, we're going to bring in a good friend of the program, former Bengals scout, Greg Seaman uh, did a fantastic job. God worked with worked in that, in that office for years, worked right alongside Duke Tobin and so uh, going to be a great asset to, to hear from him uh, about sort of the direction of the Bengals. Does some work over at PFF now, so still very much in tune and in touch uh, with the league. Going to be great. Talk to Greg. We'll have that later this week. Yeah, the thing about Greg, I talked to him a couple years ago, and I, I was stunned. I, I, I called him. I was doing a 15-year retrospective on the 2006 draft, which was uh, one of the most successful in Bengals histories. And a few of those guys were still in the league at the time of uh, that story. And his recall and detail was, was really remarkable. I mean, you, you guys probably think back to the mock drafts you do or the, the draft coverage you watch and it just all kind of blends together. And, and, and Greg really, really had some insightful stuff and looking forward to hearing from him this week as well, because you, you know, uh, it, it's not just the 2006 draft that stands out in his mind. He remembers all this stuff and it, it's going to be, Really good to hear when you're talking about trends uh, where it's is it just what we see them picking or is it an active process of no, we want this this measurement here, this measurement here. We're not taking anything less. Um, so I am really, really, really looking forward to hearing from Greg. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's going to be an important thing for us to talk through on Thursday as well. Is 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 who are the Bengals in terms of the trends of the types of players they take, the types of players they don't, the things to look out for, and how that applies to some of the players that are available. And then as, as draft season goes on next week, uh, the beast will be out. So if you're not an athletic subscriber, uh, you're going to want to be. Uh, Dane Brugler's beast will be out next week, and you're going to want. Uh, it's just, it's as good as it gets. It's the Bible, man, as far as draft coverage goes. And we'll have Dane on the show very soon as well to talk about that through a Bengals perspective. So keep an eye out for all that stuff, plus many, many, many more things. We'll get into positional dives after that. Lots of stuff coming your way, some fun guests, some new guests that you maybe haven't heard from in the past. Uh, so all that's coming. Away. One real quick piece of news uh, I want to I wanna touch on before we dive into draft and mock draft stuff. Just a glorious episode for me, Jay. <laughs> it's another thing April brings is allergies, right? Yes. Mike Sando has a piece on free agency that is out now. Jay, can you pitch this for me? Yeah, I'm trying to uh, to find it here. Uh, he 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 go. He talks to some executives about the Orlando Brown pick, um, and and Mike does a fantastic job. Anyhow, um, with with he's really plugged into to. to Guys that w work in the league currently and then worked in the league in the past. And uh, if, you, if you don't read him throughout the year, you should be because it, it's a, a, a an umbrella coverage of the NFL. But it's always interesting when when it, it pivots, not pivots, but when it hones in on what the Bengals are doing. And that's what he has here. It's it's a look at a lot of the teams and uh, the the I guess you would say the the executives reaction to the, the Orlando Brown signing. Thanks everybody for hanging with me here. Uh, so <laughs> there, there's a few that I want to bring out. There's three execs that are quoted talking about Orlando Brown. And the first, you know, there are all levels of sort of reaction. The first one I thought was interesting 
And it was some, some stuff that we kind of heard a little bit um, in the run-up to him being signed. And this one was a, an executive said, to me, it shows the effort of Cincinnati being willing to invest dollars in protecting the quarterback, and I'm good with them doing that, an exec said. At the same time, hoping they've done their research just from the standpoint that there's a reason he's on his third team in four seasons. Um yeah, I mean, he re- he requested a trade, wanting to be a left tackle for Baltimore, and Baltimore didn't want him to be. Yeah, and and traded him away, and obviously Kansas City not willing to go to the top of the left tackle market for him. Totally, uh, we 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 documented a lot of that and some of the background of those proceedings. They were offering him a lot of money, um, previous year, but and did franchise tag him. Uh, you know, so it, it, but it's an interesting thought of the idea of of you know. Look, there's a lot more there to that. And I don't, well, I'm not trying to give people Cordy Glenn flashbacks. I'm not, that's not. I'm not doing that at all. I'm not bringing that in. But I do think it's it's worth noting. Um, that people are saying, hey, maybe that's not it because you have another executive problem. Is I think Brown is a right tackle. This is something that we heard in the yeah. run up. Adam Schefter. Uh, I think he played his best football in Baltimore system because he was protected in terms of being a true blue chip left tackle. I don't see it, but he could look better in Cincy because Burrow gets the ball out faster than Mahomes. A great point. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, two very different styles. You know, Burrow gets the ball out so quick, he protects his protection in that way. Um, and, and this was a great point. I thought this is actually the point that I wanted to make sure to get to, which is the last exact that I think makes the most sense why the Bengals felt like this made the most sense for them. Quote, they are a more gap duo in their running game now after being more of a wide zone team, so he fits them more. It doesn't really bother Burrow when the tackle loses the edge. He can avoid that. It's when the tackle gets collapsed back into him that there's no way to escape. Orlando Brown can cover his guy up. This is what we've been saying. It's the same philosophy as the need to get more powerful and stronger and firm pockets on the interior. Burrow can deal with guys that come flying around. It's when everything falls into his face and he doesn't have room to use his superpower of working the pocket that things fall apart, which is part of why these big powerful tackles that have big strong anchors and can run this gap scheme are better fits for them now i just thought that was a really those are some really interesting points made uh in sando's story yeah i agree and it's so i think so much of when you're talking about tackles everybody thinks about pass protection especially the left tackle but that is a good point about the the way they they need to get a better running game and he is going to suit them well as as a run blocker um you know maybe I, that that the one exact and, and like you said it was in the run up to the the whole thing is uh, he's not the only one that sees him as a right tackle but again it's it, it, he he doesn't have to be an all world left tackle just don't get shoved back and and you didn't see that a lot from Jonah but it did happen from time to time and um you know particularly when playing Cleveland but it is it's I I kind of dismiss the th- the three teams in situation with him because it was just it was obvious what was happening in Baltimore and and an injury gave him an opportunity to play left tackle he wanted to be a left tackle the Ronnie Stanley came back from the injury and it was just it wasn't like you said. It wasn't a Cordy Glenn situation. It wasn't a a malcontent kind of thing. It was a guy that that wanted to play on that side of the ball. So you almost you almost kind of dismiss. It, I mean, it happened. It, it this is his third team, but it's it, it there's a there's a circumstance there that's that's understandable. Yeah, I think so, and I think they understand it, and and I do think they have done their research. And the 
the point is the the fit works. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the fit for what they want and desire works. And uh, and when you're paying a guy who's the now 11th highest paid left tackle and 18th highest paid tackle overall, that's pretty. That's 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 what that costs, and that's not bad. You know, that's kind of who he's been. If you're talking about who he is as a left tackle, I mean, he's right around there, tackle overall, right around there. Um, and so that's, I think that's why it all makes sense. I just, I just wanted to bring those to light. I don't want to dive more into Orlando Brown yeah. draft stuff now, but I, I thought it was an interesting uh, piece. Go, you, there's a lot more in everybody. Every team has stuff on that. So go go read Sando's piece if you get a chance. Um, I want to talk about you know what you should be looking at. I think when we talk about the draft and and fans trying to understand what's happening out there, one, you should be listening to us, obviously. You knew that. <laughs> Do that. You don't. You don't. You don't need me to tell you that. Um, listen to those that are most uh, in touch with the team locally. Certainly, there's such an oversaturation of the draft market, um, draft coverage, that it's now. You know, before it was read as much as you can, find more. There's so much. Go get your information now. There's so much information. There's so much out there. You've got to really pinpoint who you should trust where you should go and and ryan wilson will talk about this a little bit uh later on our conversation with him you know for me i go to dane uh i go to daniel jeremiah Mm -hmm. um and you know certainly you know the people on our site are fantastic bruce feldman his you know the the information that he has those that are truly in touch and understanding you see them consistently get it right no one's getting it perfect. No, you, but you have you're putting players in the right ballpark to understand you your your universe, and you know. And Ryan, you know, man, you, you know, you're going to mention how well he did last year and how closely he mm-hmm. he looks at it now too. Um, people that have information that understand what's going on. Yeah, there's a there's a a bit of everybody's kind of making it up as they go along, um, but getting guys in the right universe to understand what people are hearing is important to keep in mind when you're assessing, you know, what to be reading when it comes to the draft and, and what's realistic and what's just stuff that people are just throwing around. Yeah. And it's an important distinction because I get it. I think everybody gets it, that there is so much out there and it's, it's, it's hard to resist. It, it, it may, it might be a person you've never heard of before, but you see a tweet or you see a headline, you see mock draft and you're going to click it. We you just, you know it. People are gonna. People want as many mock drafts as they can possibly get. But it's it's not about choosing to read it or not. It's about understanding the context of it. And and don't, as Ryan's going to tell you, people get so angry about the mock drafts. You, you, to to really lean on the ones that are plugged in, like like you said. And yeah, go ahead, consume them all and enjoy it. Create a spreadsheet if you want and and do a, a list of who's got the Bengals taking this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. But put some, I don't know, put some tiers in there about who you're trusting and, and the other ones are you're just kind of checking them out. You would recommend spreadsheet usage. Of course. It's just so predictable, <laughs> Jay. Uh, <clears throat> next thing you know, you're going to tell us all to listen to Ozzy Osbourne and he'll tell us what we really need to know. <laughs> Play the record backwards and there's your information. I mean, yes, maybe. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. One thing about, you know, Dane has a his, his top 100s out now. He'll, he'll have a mock draft that will come out after the Beast as well. Keep an eye on all that stuff. The top 100 is is a really good thing to keep an eye on with him. We talked about this last year when we created the universe of players for our mega mock draft in the lead up that ended up being right on. With you go back and look over the last, I went back and looked over the last three or four years with, with Dane's top 100 in particular. When you're looking at guys that are going to be around in the back half of the first round where the Bengals are picking now and did last year, look, anybody that he has in that top, 16 to 20 uh really once you get into 19 20 maybe there'll be some guys that slide or but if it's in the if he if he has them in the top 100 uh up in that area if they're not they're not going to be around at the back because just haven't they haven't over, over the years he, he's mm-hmm. right on with it that was the case last year you, you didn't start to see it until last year you know daxton hill at 20 was the first player that he had that was available to the Bengals. George Karloftis, he had at 18, who went right before them. Everybody before that, you know, well, long gone. And that's important to to remember. So let's take that. They have revamped the top 100 for Dane this year. It's awesome. It's interactive. has It has reports from everybody from our entire team of dra- uh, draft coverage from Nate Tice, um, Deontay Lee, guys we've had on the show, uh, that are just awesome, do a great job. But, you know, so the names, some of the names that people might be interested to see. So here's his top one. Here's his top 20 right now. Will Anderson, obviously, Bryce Young, Jaden Carter, excuse me, Jalen Carter, Christian Gonzalez, CJ Stroud, Peter Skronsky, uh, Bijan Robinson at seven. I mean, that doesn't, and again, you get into draft value. Uh, People say, what if B. John Robs it, right? Could he? I mean, this suggests somebody, no one's going to allow that. Forget positional mm-hmm. value. Uh, Tyree Wilson, Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois, Lucas Van Ness, the edge from Iowa, Nolan Smith at 11, edge from Georgia, Paris Johnson, uh, Cincinnati's own uh, for Ohio State, a tackle, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson at 14, Broderick Jones, a tackle from Georgia at 15. Brian Branch, safety from Alabama at 16. And then you get a Joey Porter, uh, Joey Porter Jr., not Jerry Porter, Joey Porter, <laughs> uh, cornerback three. And then you get an 18. And then we're talking about uh, Miles Murphy of Clemson, uh, Jordan Addison, USC receiver, Jameer Gibbs, Alabama, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He has all the way back at 21. Yeah. I, I, you know, we see him mocked at 
towards the top everywhere. And I don't think anybody would surprise if he went 13 or 14 yeah. or higher. Um, and, he very, and we've talked about that. I think the combine took him way out, well out of the Bengals range. But keep in mind that Dane does have him here at 21 still. Uh, Brian Brzee, Clemson. Very interesting Bengals target. Um, a three technique out of Clemson. Michael Mayer at 23. Darnell Wright, Tennessee tackle. A very popular Bengals target. A notable Bengals target. Dalton Kincaid. Tight end Utah. All these tight ends. Kalijah Kansi. Very popular Bengals target out of Pitt. Um, you know, more compact. He gets these unfair Donald comparisons because Pitt, undersized and three technique, but dude is a freak. <coughs> uh, Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver, Tennessee. Deontay Banks, cornerback, Maryland. Actually 28 on his on his list. Somebody mm-hmm. who we've mocked to the Bengals. I've mocked to the Bengals for. Jay, you did. Uh, yep. He may go earlier. He may not. Certainly someone you would keep in mind there that would, that would, that would fit. Uh, Quentin Johnston, a receiver from TCU. Luke Musgrave, a tight end from Oregon State. Get you, Darnell Washington, who ta- a lot of people have talked about that group of tight ends. There's a good zone for you uh, of those names to familiarize with, to compare against. Um, you get into Daniel Jeremiah and some of those that cross over. You know, he'll have, he has Cansey going at 18. Uh, he has... Deontay Banks going at 24, again, in the zone. And anytime you get post 20, it, it just kind of gets real messy. And so keep that in mind. Uh, Darnell Wright, Jim Jeremiah has at 28 going to the Bengals. Michael Mayer continues to be in that conversation if they want to go that way. These are, these are a lot of names that continue to show up and give you a good idea of the universe of players that you need to be thinking about and looking at Daniel Jeremiah also has Bijan Robinson going early 14 to the Patriots. Yeah. And an important distinction there is a Daniel Jeremiah's is a actual mock, whereas Danes is just the top 100. He hasn't yes. had it. He hasn't put his mock out yet. So um, the, the, the needs part, everybody talks best player available, but needs do play a role in this. And um, it is, it is interesting to see Jackson Smith and Jigba. Cause I think a lot of people, I know you've, you'd have mocked him there to the Bengals in the past and pre-combine yeah pre-combine yes but if it's uh if you're saying anybody in the top 20 is probably not going to be available at 28 and to see jackson smith and jigba there at 21 a little bit of hope i still think it's a long shot that he would still be around uh at 28 but that that is you look in that window right there and can't see another one i dane's got him 26 right i i don't know i i'd be shocked if he fell that to 28 or even 26, what, what, where he's got him ranked, just as the, 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 the hype around that guy and the need for, for three techs. And it'd be great. It would be a great pick for the Bengals. I still think D line is, is right there in play with a, sure. with a right tackle. Um, but I, I don't know that he's going to be available, but, but it does give you an idea. And a, another, I mean, everything Dane puts out is really strong. And this is as well from the, the content point. But as you mentioned, they've really made it interactive. And it's, if you haven't read it yet, you guys should go check it out. Um, before I get into my mock draft from last week and talk through some of the, the thought process and, and, and names on those, which I appreciate everyone uh, that told me I'm dumb. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel, good, you know, when you when you hear that your mock draft is bad. It's like I don't even know what that means. Like I, I don't know what that means. Is it's bad. Like you don't you don't know. You you don't you don't know. Uh, but I appreciate that. Um, Jay, you got stats. 
I do. 28 um, overall. Let's talk yeah. about it. It's, it's kind of a black hole. Um, I, I went and I looked at the last 20 drafts and the players that have been drafted 28th overall. Um, the last two have yet to start a game in the NFL. Devontae Wyatt to the Packers last year, Peyton Turner to the Saints the year before. You got to 2020, Patrick Queen, very solid player. 50 starts already, two playoff starts. No Pro Bowls or all pros. So I, I, I was wondering... Of those last 20, uh, how many Pro Bowls have have come from spot 28 and how many All-Pros? There have been five that have made a Pro Bowl. And again, you always have to put the disclaimer in there. The Pro Bowl is what it is, but it's still a measurement to to give you an idea. Uh, The last time a, a player picked 28th overall made a Pro Bowl was 2015, Lakin Tomlinson, um, he, he was 2015 number 28 pick. He didn't make the Pro Bowl till 2021. Uh, you have Mark Ingram made three. Friend of the program and Cincinnati native Eric Wood. Uh, mm. 2009 was 28 overall. Um, Mercedes Lewis, uh, who you'll hear me mention, uh, depending on what order you're listening to this in, uh, he he was that comp that, uh, that Ryan Wilson mentions. Um, and then Joe Staley's the big one. Uh, six Pro Bowls. Uh, 2007 number 28 pick of the 49ers. Uh, those last 20, um, number 28 picks, zero all pros. How far zero. back do you think you have to go to find the last player wow. picked 28th overall who was named all pro last century at some point? Last century, yep, 97. Exactly. What? 1997. I don't know who uh, it was. I just said it. You said the year. <laughs> who? Who is it? It's Trevor Price from the Broncos. Uh, he went to to four Pro Bowls and and he was named an All Pro once. Uh, Fifteen year career, 155 starts, defensive lineman. But that's, I mean, that's you're you're talking over a quarter of a century uh, to find some. And it's not it's not like yeah, well, when you get late in the draft, you're probably not going to find All Pros. I, I looked at the the draft slots around 28 and there've been recent all pro number 29 Cordero Patterson's been all pro number 30 TJ Watt 31 Cam Hayward 32 Lamar Jackson uh, 25 Xavier Rhodes 26 Clay Matthews 27 Trey Davis White they are out there it's just something weird about the number 28 overall pick it's been a long time since anyone's drafted an all pro there got to trade out <laughs> yeah just exactly. move, move back one spot you yeah, know, then you're fine. So, then, then everything will be just fine. Yeah, you, you, you'll be better off. Do you like the old school Vikings, right? Just let your pick just pass. Forget. Yeah. Just forget to put your pick in so you can go 29th and assure that the <laughs> pick could be better. Um, I like that idea. Uh, okay, look, I want to talk through my mock draft, then we'll get to Ryan. Um, so in this goes back to the beat writer mock draft that we did. So I, I'm picking from a universe that that didn't have a lot of the names that we talked about. No Darnell Wright. Um, no, uh, let's see, there was no Kalajikansi. A lot of these guys that we just talked about were 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 gone off the board in the beat writer mock. So, but the the one that was there and and you know, I I didn't go for the tight end, uh, although Buffalo traded out at 27, and I think yeah, Dallas came in and took Darnell Washington, in case there was thought the Bengals might try to go there with tight end, which is certainly going to be a spot that they're going to be looking at at 28. Um, but I went with DeWan Jones, the big mm-hmm. tackle from Ohio State. And 
I, I think you know right tackle is certainly going to be in play there uh, amongst other positions. But you know the reason is, it, who knows? Like he he could be a second round, more of a second round guy, and and maybe he's not the perfect fit. Uh, but I I think he is because the way that they loved Orlando Brown is a perfect fit, and you're talking about the same type of player: big, powerful, strong, firm pocket can can move people. And putting him and Orlando Brown as the bookends on the Glass Eaters, I I, th- I think it, it makes a lot of sense where you could see them valuing him uh, more than others. It, that's look, I, I think even though they have the trend, and we'll talk more about the trend uh, of not taking defensive linemen in the first round on Thursday, but that makes me nervous about some of the guys that are prominent defensive linemen defensive linemen here at this spot just because of the history and because I think they have a belief that they can get those guys later maybe doesn't mean they wouldn't or that they haven't considered it in the past it's just I I don't know how you can just say oh yeah they'll definitely do something that they haven't done in 22 years yeah and it's what's interesting is they they do have a history or a trend of of drafting first round picks and not necessarily redshirt years, but bringing them along slowly and and drafting them before the needs there, and that's kind of where D line is right now. You've got guys. It's not there's not a huge need there, but there there is a need for depth. There is a need for succession plans for these guys whose contracts are going to be coming up. Um, so that that that's interesting. The whether they would break that spell, and you, you talk about they don't take D linemen in the first round. Well. So many years of, of that from the uh, from the let the Justin Smith pick to the present, they weren't picking in in this area. They weren't picking at the very end of the first round. So I think that changes it a little bit too. And with the with the Dewan Jones thing, it's really interesting the way these things kind of ebb and flow and the momentum. And you're, you're starting to see him now on a couple drafts in much higher than than when the Bengals would pick at 28, up in the low 20s and even in the high teens. It, it, you mentioned it. Is he more of a second round pick or could he be completely off the board before they even get a chance to pick? I still, you know, if I was doing a mock draft right now and he was available, I, he would be my pick. Um, but it's, there's still, we still got weeks to go before these guys to see who rises, who falls, what's actually going to play out. But I do, I, I did like that pick of yours um, on your mock draft and in the, in the beat writer mock. There's just a lot of tackles, you know, that that are there, and how many will actually go? I mean, there's a lot of tackles that have been talked about as first round tackles, and, and if you're talking about one that's going to be there at 28, that the Bengals will be willing to take, that would view as a potential immediate starter or quit starter pretty soon at that position when you consider whatever's going on with with Jonah and LC and how that will all work itself out, and maybe they're more confident in that we're not going to feel pushed to go that way. However, you know, the trait that they're going to be willing to digest. Because you're, if you're drafting a tackle at 28, there's something wrong with him, or else he would have gone at 12, okay? The the trade that they're going to be willing to digest would be, okay, maybe he's not this, like, super nimble on his feet, light, quick mover type. They want the big, thick, powerful guy now. So keep that in mind. So if you're looking at, if that's the... If that's the deficiency, they don't mind that. Mm-hmm. To, to them, they're getting a top 15 fit for a player like a Dewan Jones or somebody who's maybe more powerful and physical like Darnell Wright. Um, 
And I think Wright would be a better fit for them. I think Wright would be a probably probably a head on their board if you look at just performance and I think what they're looking for. That said, uh, that's the type of thing they'd be willing to stomach as a deficiency. That is why that guy is there at that premium position at 28. Just something to keep in mind and part of what landed me on Jones. So the fallout from that is interesting because I do think Sidney Jones signs, is he Eli Apple or is he Trey Flowers is the question. That contract, which is next to nothing, that they signed Sidney Jones for is suggests it certainly does not take corner early off the table. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still thinking about a premium position and one that they'll need somebody potentially if they can't bring back Chita Bay Wuzier next year and have to be thinking about that. The next Cam Taylor Britt, I still think that, you know, the the feeling that you get is still one that that's a part of this equation. I think people want to throw out corner and not think about corner. They're not forced to. I, I, you can have Sidney Jones be your Eli Apple, but you're just going to need depth at that spot. You do have a guy coming off an ACL. You do have your number one corners contract up after this year. I th- I think that's something they're going to be looking for. So that I had Cam Smith of South Carolina. There's there's a few different corners. Maybe the other South Carolina, Darius Rush, other South Carolina. There's other a lot of other corners that you could see fall in that area. Looking for who could be the next Cam Taylor Britt, I think is still in play for them in the second round. And, and it's a position to keep an eye on in both the first and second, depending on, uh, on, on how things fall for them. All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The thing about your question is, is is Sidney Jones, Eli Apple, or is he Trey Flowers, is it's not going to be answered before the draft. it's going to take a while before they really know what they have in him. So right now they have to work under the assumption that he's Trey flowers or maybe worse. You, you need 
they that definitely has to be. I don't think that the Sydney Jones. Well, I'm trying to say Sydney Jones signing. I don't think affected the 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 plans in the draft much at all. They hope that he can be a number four, but you can't bank on it. And I I, I wouldn't be surprised even to see corner be the first round pick. No, no, not at all. I think the point is he can be either. Right. Right. Like, like yeah. I think I think you could you could feel comfortable enough that that Sidney Jones is what you want wanted Eli Apple to be if he came back. Absolutely, as your number four, a veteran, a dude that's played that can do it. Also, if he's your fifth corner, all the better. You're paying him like a fifth corner. Yeah. Okay. So all the better. And and I, and and you can still you still need to be looking to invest in that position. Doesn't mean you have to. I don't think they feel urgency to. Uh, but if it hits you right, it's certainly a position of need and one that they have proven over and over again that they um that they want to make sure they're investing in and investing heavily. I mean. They traded up when something that Duke Tobin does not absolutely at all want to do last year to get Cam Taylor Britt because they knew the importance of, of continuing to feed that into the future. Um, so after that, what what becomes interesting is you have this list of things you want to come away with if you're the Bengals in this draft. And one of them is a tight end, preferably before Saturday comes. I think that's when at least you want your first one. I think there will be multiple. Yeah. But I you want one before that comes and it gets hard to start doing. I, I think they still want, they're still looking at slot receivers. This is a draft that it might not be great at receiver outside receiver, but it is one that has a decent amount of slots that, that you could choose from and fill the heir apparent to Tyler Boyd and someone who can, can bring you, uh, you know, upgrade you in the reserve role, which is still kind of sitting out there. I mean, Trent Irwin's there and he's done it and there's confidence in him. However, you're still trying to feed the future. I don't think people are viewing Trent Irwin as the next Tyler Boyd at all. So that's another box that you want to check. Running back is out there as a box that you still want to check. And I, I think you can get to day three on that easily, but you start having these boxes, defensive line, one you want to check mm -hmm. at some point. And you know, they like to check that in that third and fourth round is a sweet spot for them. You can't check them all. So you start talking about, do they can they add picks? Is it a move back? Uh, the, the trade that I have them making, if they take DeWan Jones, it does open you up. Okay, now you can trade Jonah Williams. And who would want him? We talked. I'm not going to dive back into this conversation. We already had it. But, you know, you the Bears need to spend money. They could be someone you could trade with. Or your whole, there's options of what you could do. You could choose then to trade Jonah Williams for a pick that could help you fill that void. Um, if they can find a way to add in the third or fourth, it'll help them check all the boxes that they would like to check and the spots that they would like to do it. And that helped me get them Tucker Craft, a tight end from South Dakota State there uh, in the third round. Somebody who, you know, in the mold of Dallas Goddard, yeah, same school. These comparisons are unfair, but very similar type of player. Traits-based, if you're at that point, you're looking at traits-based guys that can quickly develop, and there's a history of that happening. Uh, I, I think that feels like a nice spot for tight end in this draft for them, too, if they don't yeah, get, if they don't go early and pull the trigger early. Right, and it, it feels like that that draft where they got Croft and Uzama in, in the third and the fifth, where that, that, that kind of similar thing would be in play. And, I mean, I do, I, I think that absolutely a trade-back is is – I don't know if you want to say likely, but very, very possible in this draft. And and I wonder even do they go back to their their fallback plan of do it in the second round? 
I mean, a lot of it's yeah. going to depend on that player universe that's available to them. I could I could see them doing that again in the second round if you've if you've got a couple corners there you're you're happy with and or if it's tight end, whatever direction they want to go. If if there's a, a or even if it's not same position, but they've got say five guys that they really like and they would be comfortable trading back four or five spots um, to pick up that extra pick. Uh, I could see them doing it as early as the second round, but definitely if the third would be in play too. And I think if, if you're talking about when you get to that third, that third pick, and if, if it goes the way you said tackle corner, it almost, it feels like tight end. Yes. Defensive line slot. Those are, those are spots that they need to fill, but it really, I, you, you can't just like, you can't hang your hat on Sidney Jones. You can't hang your hat on Irv Smith. They're very hopeful that he's going to be a, a quality starter and, and a huge bargain at what they signed him for. And you can't bank on it. You really do need to, and who knows, maybe something happens with, with Drew Sample and Wilcox and they bring back some depth before they even get to the draft. But the way it stands right now, it, I, I'd be stunned if they didn't come out of that that Friday night with the tight end. Yeah, I would no, I would I would totally agree with that. And I think that the thing about the, the Croft Uzama you mentioned and is is you know, they had Tyler Eifert on that team already. <laughs> you know, I mean that was but the questions with the draft. injuries. And, sure, yeah. but he, they yeah. had a Tyler Eifert. Right. It wasn't yeah. they, they weren't without I mean Irv Smith is not Tyler Eifert. They don't no. have uh, a guy um already. So so that to me increases the urgency. I think again, any of those first three rounds uh, with this tight end draft and you consider what it is, there's certainly a chance. I mean, you could, I could see them going one, five, you know, yeah. or two, six or two. I mean, I think, I think there's any possibility or on the board for getting after that position. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. Uh, the receiver thing I mentioned, Jaden Reed, I keep giving him, I, I don't know if he's going to be big enough for them uh, because of just the, the types that they like there, but uh, receiver box, Eric Gray, Oklahoma. He's a, my guy love, love the way he plays on the second level great receiver um he's he's super elusive they want efficiency they want guys that can can turn the five yard run into a 15 or 20 yard run home run speed is not necessarily i mean it's great it's not necessarily like what they're going to be valuing the most and so he doesn't have that but he has the other stuff i think that 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 they love there's plenty of running backs in that area whether we're talking about Israel uh, Abaconda from Pitt, Chase Brown, Illinois, uh, Gray. I mean, there, there's a there's a big you know, this is good depth here. Good depth in the running back class and some of the history there. Again, a spot where you could certainly see a running back coming off the board at any point uh, on on day three. And Gray's just one that sticks out to me because he has a lot of the boxes that they want to check in terms of what they're looking for to play in this style of offense. Um, then I have them going through defensive line with Tyler Lacey of Oklahoma State, kind of a hit in the three technique they didn't take earlier. Uh, another tight end. I have them going punter at the end. I mean, you're, you're, they're looking there. So that's a possibility. There's, you get to the th- you're just filling holes there. But I, I think that's kind of, to me, a, a basic breakdown of how, how you see some stuff <laughs> right now where you're filling holes late. But it feels like they're one pick short, Jay. And mm-hmm. to, to really do everything they want to do. And that's going to be the things. How do you produce an extra pick? They've been very good at doing that in the past. Um, and maybe that first round spot, if their guy that they want is not there, uh, they can do it with. Talk a lot about that in my story that's up today about the 2020 draft and how they didn't do that because they recognized T. Higgins was not the guy to do that with, even though it had been one of their number one moves. So read that there, and we'll dive more into that on Thursday. For now, we need to dive more into the mock draft world. 
And, yeah. and that means we're going to do that with our good friend from CBS, Ryan Wilson. I'm going, I'm going right. I'm going right to someone who's been doing this for like a year, year round, basically. <laughs> I went, I, not just a that, year. It's just, I mean, just for this one, like you didn't, it wasn't, you weren't doing to some people do this. They do the, the 2023 mock draft in like 2021, like the, the ultimate oh, yeah. look ahead. Like you, you haven't gone there yet, but since uh, September 7th, you've been doing 2023 mock drafts and, <laughs> Ryan Wilson of CBS is here with us. Ryan, what's up? Hey, man. How you doing, Paul? Hey, Jay. Good to see you again. I, I hey, met Ryan. you for the first time at the, at the Combine. And, Paul, I've known you for like 12 years now, man. I know. So it's too it, long. It's, it's been a wild ride. Uh, but like I said, when I saw you last, we, we were both balls in 2011, so nothing's really changed. <laughs> Not much has changed. Like, our jokes are the same. Like, we, we are still don't have hair. Like, it's all... We have kids, and of, that's the only difference. That is the yeah. only difference. That is only the difference. Uh, no, those are back in the days when... when back when I was at CBS, before they laid everyone else off, you, you hung strong, though. Look at you go. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, you don't want to make too much money. You don't want to be, like, a, a drag on the organization. You want to hang in the middle. And just stay in the middle. That's that's the trick to uh, keeping a uh, stay. Look, if I get fired next week, we'll have a different conversation. But in the middle is where I like to be. You know, you know what that is. Jay, Jay and I can tell you a lot about what that that is. That's the survival theory. Lewis. No, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. It's Marvin Lewis. But that's not what I was going to say. That is not what I was going to say. It's the survivor theory. Yeah. You, you don't want to be, be a target guy. at the top. You can't yeah. be the worst in the trap. You got to stay right in the middle and you'll end up still there. Last that's one right. at the end. Maybe that'll be you. Hey, listen, Turn you'll be driving a 2009 Jetta in 2023, but... <laughs> Those are the trade-offs you're willing to make. Hey, you could be like me. I mean, I was like eliminated on the first episode back in 2011. So that's basically the way I look at it. Was from lack of hard work. It was just no, uh, no. Rest in peace. Rapid reports exactly. never quite got off the ground. Exactly. Never quite got off the ground. That's right. But there's, we have other things to talk about here with you, Ryan. I, so I wanted to, as as everybody is doing the same thing every day, and that <laughs> is just refreshing everyone's mock draft and then tweeting their criticisms to them. Yeah. I, I I wanted to talk a little bit with you about the mock draft industry in regards to like what what should people be looking for when it comes to what will actually happen on draft day what have you learned about doing mock drafts and mm. and what is you know what is the most important thing that people should keep in mind when when reading through all of these now yeah, three things that get people incredibly pissed off. <laughs> Politics, religion, and mock drafts. Like, mock drafts is not even a distant third. It's like, it's 2B. Like, it's people get up. so angry about it. The first thing you should do, Paul and Jay, is listen to With the First Pick, my podcast that I do with Rick Spielman. There you uh, go. Three times a week now, because why not? Uh, I mean, I'm under contract, so they can run me to the ground. But the good thing about Spielman, who was the general manager in Minnesota for 10 years, is that he has no intentions, he'll tell you this, of going back to the league. So he will tell you anything that you ask him. Um, and that's been interesting because he he said on the podcast before that the Vikings, they don't look at, they don't look at mock drafts. Like they they're come on, they have other things to do. But they do have like the analytics department that go through all the scenarios of what the other teams on the draft board can do. And interestingly enough, we were talking to the former Vikings trainer on the podcast yesterday, Eric Sugarman, who was incredibly insightful. But he said one of the things that he found um that Rick did best was they had a sense for what everyone else was doing around them on the draft board. I mean, Rick got Harrison Smith, Rick got 
Justin Jefferson. Uh, he has uh, Adrian Peterson is, is a fun story. And he'll tell you, he goes, look, I, I wasn't great at getting the quarterbacks. Like Christian Ponder comes up repeatedly in part <laughs> from our coworker, Pete Prisco, who says you drafted Christian Ponder. Yeah. How good can he be? It's <laughs> a weird thing to say to your coworker, but whatever. But in terms of the overarching thing, what I've learned, so I've been doing the drafts since 2018. So this makes it ver version five or six. And um, it, it's all made up because here's the thing. And I say this, <laughs> Like, there's a reason that teams leak information to you guys. There's a team reason teams leak information to Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. There's leverage in play uh, on either from the, the player side or the team side. This time of year, and Daniel Jeremiah is the OG. Like, he's a great dude by all accounts. I've never met him, but he he comes off as a great dude. He seems very genuine. He works hard. He has a background in scouting. We know all those the stories. There is no reason for Joe Douglas, one of his best buddies, the GM of the Jets, to tell him what the Jets are going to do. Like, there's no payoff for Joe Douglas. Now he might tell them what he's hearing. And I've gotten to the point in my career where I, I hear things like last year. Um, I have relationships with agents that I heard that Derek Singley Jr. And the Texans were probably going to be a thing, which seemed weird to me because I hadn't heard that in the run up to the draft because the mock draft media world had no idea. So it's about relationships. And um, the funny thing is once I started calling people that I knew in the league, like, Oh yeah, yeah, we knew that. I was like, hey, here's an idea. Throw me a bone. How about you let me know that? <laughs> Since you knew it, because I thought I was, I thought I was like had information. I was like, oh, hey, guess what? You want to trade this? He goes, well, no, I, I knew it. So there's nothing to trade, but but thank you for for trying. Um, but I think that's the takeaway. Like, if you're a fan and you read one of these mock drafts and it makes you so angry that you have to say something on Twitter, which is it's fine, say something, but just understand that the person that put that mock draft out isn't drafting for your team in real life. It's uh, number one, it, it's a way to get people to to click on things, get angry. And, and that's primarily the, the goal of it. <laughs> Number two, it is to give you an idea of what these teams are going to do. And my draft before free agency is, is literally a waste of time uh, yeah. because yeah. everything changes, but people want what people want. And, and you guys know we're in the same business. You have to give people what they want, whether it makes sense <laughs> or not. And it is progressed to the point guys that now we have CBS sports HQ, which is our streaming platform. <clears throat> we're doing mock, mock draft shows. Uh, we do it once every two weeks. Like we do an hour long show on the network and it crushes, like it crushes traffic. You put it on YouTube and it has hundreds of thousands of views. And I'm like, really? Like you can learn how to fix a toilet. You can change your oil by <laughs> on YouTube. And you want to get mad at some idiot that's telling you what, who your team's going to draft. Um, so that's the evolution of it. I don't know how far we have left to go until this thing comes crashing down. But uh, yeah, it's a big deal. And fans, like I said, they are fired up if you're not getting giving them the person they, they, they want in the mock draft. <laughs> so, I mean... You do so many of these. Do do you once the draft happens? Do you go back and and see how you did, or once once the draft happens, you just completely forget about the mock drafts? And because uh, I mean, I I can't tell you who I mocked for the Bengals in my draft picks last, and and you're doing so many of them. You're doing every team. Um, how how do you go back and and grade yourself, or do you do that? No, I do. And part of the problem is I have OCD. So as soon as the draft is over, I spend the the next like from the last day of the draft until the draft happens, I spend those 11 months and 29 days sort of coming up with spreadsheets that'll, that'll make my life easier. And one of the things I'll do is I'll compare the grades that I had on the players where they actually went and actually write up a story about that the day after the draft. And it's probably literally 30,000 words that no one's going to read, but it just allows me to, to make sure or to see where I, I measured up, not to make sure of anything. It's to see, did this player get overdrafted in my eyes or are they drafted right where I thought they would? It's more of a measuring stick for me than, than for the teams because the teams have millions of dollars invested in, in you know, 40, 50, 60 people invested in, in making sure they get the right players. I'm just one idiot um, that, that has an opinion. 
So I'll go back and do that the next day. But then, Jay, the day after that, I shut it down for at least 30 days. And I, I go sit in my backyard. Uh, I have some adult beverages and I just stare at the trees because I, I am I am burnt. I am burnt by that point. But where where does last year rank in, in terms of your accuracy? Because I, I have your last year's final mock here in front oh, of yeah. me. Oh yeah. Okay. Well tell me what I have. I don't have my um on my spreadsheet things that print out in front of me. I have to go check the check the website uh in terms of I when I do I compare my grades. I, I do draft grades is what they're called, but they're literally yeah. me comparing my thing to uh so I think like Malik Willis, I think I had him going around one. That was an absolute bust. Yeah. Um I think I had Kenny Pickett going in the first round. I didn't like Kenny Pickett coming out. I thought he was like QB four, QB QB four. I think I love. I don't want to say this anymore out loud. I love Matt Corral at the time. Uh, I didn't realize he had some off field issues. Uh, so that that's a story for another conversation. I thought he had an opportunity to have some success. Carolina is now going to pick another quarterback, so he'll have to do it somewhere else. Um, I don't know what else. If you have any glaring omissions that I messed up on that that stick out to me, because as you point out, I, I did close to forty last year. No, I mean it, it's. It's pretty remarkable, actually, what you did. Uh, you, you not only had Pickett going in the first yard, you had him going to the Steelers. You had you had five players uh, correctly picked to the team. Huh. You had the top huh. three. You Where nailed the top you three. I'm getting crushed, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I, I mean, that was the plan. The was to like one, right? I mean, that's that's hitting home for you. One of the biggest picks the Steelers have made. You're you're an, you're an old school Steelers guy. That's your that's your uh, your core as a kid. I mean, to yeah. get that one right, look at you. Look at you go. Here's the thing, though, with the Steelers, they they hide nothing. I was mentioning Joe Douglas, <laughs> like Najee Harris was a layup. Like you knew they yeah. were going to take. It, it, it was pretty easy. So to get that one, that's like you know, that's like you make the layup in the in the uh, the halftime shoot around to, to yeah. move before you move back and, and airball the, the free throw. So I got that one. There might be some airballs on there though, Jay. Well, I mean, yeah, Willis was an airball, but I mean, like I said, the the, the five that you got exactly. I think you have four other ones that were only off by one pick. I mean, it, it was really pretty accurate. And then the the ones that you you had a uh, five guys at the end of the draft, twenty five and lower that that you picked that didn't end up being first rounders. One of them was Logan Hall, who went thirty three right after the first oh, round. Oh, okay, so, that counts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was and you, you had uh, Dax Hill at, at twenty eight, and he went three picks later to the to the Bengals oh, at thirty one. So good. it was, yeah, it was. It, well, I was really impressed when I went back because that, like I said, that was the plan was to rib you a little bit about your picks, and uh, that's not the case at all. It was a really strong draft. Let me ask you this. Um, this year's back of the first round, does it feel, and maybe this is bad to say in light of like news, but like, doesn't it feel a little extra train wrecky this year? Like, it just seems like kind of messy uh, where I, there's stuff, names all over the place. And I feel like some years you have maybe a little bit better feel. And I, maybe it goes that way, maybe it doesn't. But to you, does it feel a little extra messy once you get outside of that, uh, you know, top 15 or 20 this year? No, I think 15 or 20 is going to be the cutoff, and then things are, are really going to be messy. I was thinking about this literally yesterday. I mean, there, I feel like there are 45 guys that end up going in the first round. It doesn't mean they're 45 first-round talents, but depending on what teams need, depending on if their teams trade up at the bottom, back of the first round for that fifth-year option that we hear about. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Will Levis. Like, uh, we went to all the four-quarterback pro days me and Rick Spielman did, and, and they were eye-opening um, just to see those players throw in person and the size differences and Will Levis probably had the best arm slightly better than Anthony Richardson. Um, but he, he felt like he was at a job interview where he was, he, he, like he was interviewing to, to be a greeter at Walmart, but he wore like a tuxedo and he, he just like, <laughs> overprepared for the interview. And you could tell he was incredibly tense and like, dude, take a deep breath. You're going to pass out. And it just, that's the feeling I got. And then I heard that he hadn't been interviewing well with the teams. He came off as a little weird. So we'll see how this plays out. But all that said, in terms of 
20-ish to, to 40-ish, it feels like you have any number of guys going. Like, I'll just go through some names quickly. Like Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia. He didn't play the last half of the season because of peck injury. He ran in the four threes, I think, at the combine, but he weighs 234, but he's electric. Drew Sanders is a, is a linebacker who's not going to go in the third round to the Bengals, apparently. But he <laughs> he transferred from Alabama as an edge rusher because he couldn't play in front of with Will Anderson, Dallas Turner. Went to Arkansas, moved to off-ball, and he is 6'5", 235-ish, and he's a crazy athlete. He could go 27. He might go 42, and there's a whole bunch of tight ends. And I don't know where the Bengals are now in the tight end conversation because I know they lost Hayden Hurst. and um, But there are five tight ends that could go anywhere from 25 to, to 45. And any order like this group is going to be good and then you have some cornerbacks that could go when when does Hinden hooker the the quarterback out of tennessee go he tore his acl late last season he's going to be 25 so those are the conversations and i think you're exactly right paul about where are these guys going to slot because if a guy that you think is 45th goes 27th i, I would be like okay that, that i get it do you have i'm legally obligated to get an anthony richardson take from you i don't know <laughs> yeah. if you're i just i have to make sure we make sure we fulfill our contract here but i mean do you have a, a take from being in Florida, seeing him, and 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 on his freakishness? Yeah, so we saw him at the combine. We interviewed him at the combine, and he came on the set after Will Anderson. He was bigger than Will Anderson. Like <laughs> he is taller and thicker than Will Anderson, and he ran faster. By the way, he ran the four fours, and he's a soft spoken kid. And uh, teams generally think he's a good kid. Like there's no concerns about the off field stuff or being weird in interviews or whatever. And then you saw him throw in person, and I see how teams go to these things and fall in love. It is so easy, even though you tell yourself, listen, he's wearing shorts. There's no one playing defense. <laughs> the guys are running wide open, and it, it it looks so effortless. Where it didn't look effortless with Will Levis, even though the arm strength is similar. And after, and Spielman is understandably conservative as a evaluator because you don't want to, like he has a, an owner to answer to. I'm just making stuff up. So if I get it wrong, like Malik Willis, no one cares. But even he, after that evaluation said, uh, I think he's going to go top five now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've liked, I've liked Anthony Richardson since the fall, but the roller coaster ride is insane. And I think that's why it's important that he goes to a place like even the Colts make some sense if Ursa can stay out of the way because Shane Steichen and, and his success with Jalen Hurts. And historically, that team has been good recently. But, and this is Spielman's take, Seahawks make a ton of sense too. They have two first-round picks. They pick fifth, I think. You take him and sit him behind Geno for a year, two years. I think Geno's deal's three years. And you might be working with something there because that team as a top five, a team with top five pick isn't terrible because most teams are. They have a running game that they lean on. We know what you have in John Schneider, the GM, and, and Pete Carroll, the coach, and the defense should hopefully improve this year. So it feels like best-case scenario for someone of that talent who just needs more time because he hasn't played a lot of football. You, your teammate at CBS, Chris Trapasso, has him going number one overall on your guys' latest mocks. I mean, that's that's a huge jump from where he's – I haven't seen anybody have him at number one. So that no, is – Chris is the Anthony Richardson of the mock draft world in terms of, <laughs> of being unique in his takes. <laughs> all traits, all <laughs> traits, but unpolished. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, he, it, not to talk more about it, but I mean, it's just, I, I get not in play style, but in just projection. There's heavy Mahomes vibes with him. I think people oh, think you can be oh. getting – getting Mahomes in that he's so raw if you get him into the right place and polish him up and let him grow with the right coach who someone whoever takes him thinks they're the right coach right think that they could suddenly have you know the next Mahomes but you know in a different whether it's Cam Newton or whatever your play style is but I think the projection of the raw traits is is I think where people see that I, I want to ask you there's a, there's a couple of names I want to ask you about 
that I think are interesting because I think from a Bengals perspective, like they're they're not going to be real interested in taking a running back in the first round, um, even though they have a kind of an opening there with whatever's going on with Joe Mixon and, and losing Samaj P. Ryan or whatever. Um, unless B. John Robinson is suddenly there. I mean, I think that that all of a sudden now you're having a much different conversation about value for them and BPA. Is there, you know, in all that you've been around, has there been one where you've ever even thought that Bijan Robinson could make it all the way down to the bottom of the first round as teams just don't value running back? Yeah, so that's a weird one, right? Because that's pick 28, and Bijan's special, right? So he he keeps he gets getting comped easily to Saquon. And he's probably a better blocker. Not that it matters when you're drafting him. There's a world where it happens, I, and you just have to find the teams that are that are ahead of them that are going to do it. So the talk now is the media talk, not the league talk. Is that at ten that the Eagles have their first round pick from the Saints last year? Would they do it at ten to take Bijan because they need help at running back? Because they also pick at the bottom of the first round at thirty, two picks after the Bengals. So is there a trade up scenario? Whatever, whatever. Uh, that's a landing spot. I mean, the Patriots at fourteen isn't crazy because Robert Kraft apparently wasn't happy with Matt Patricia calling plays. I don't know why that worked perfectly. <laughs> I can't believe it didn't work out. I really thought it would. <laughs> I know. Right. In the pencil <laughs> behind the ear. Clearly knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, but if you're Mac Jones, if Mac Jones is your guy and you want to help that team and they struggle to get wide receivers in the first round, maybe you take one there. Uh, Tampa Bay at 19 is an obvious choice just because Leonard, he looks like Leonard Fournette in terms of his running style. And uh, chargers have been mentioned at 21 because Eckler wants out. It sounds like, so it feels like it's becoming in Buffalo 27, right before since he picks. They only have James Cook on the roster. I think they may have one more running back, Naeem Hines. I think they only have two running backs. Both are, are not sort of every down backs. So it feels like he, that he won't be there 28. The other thing I would propose to you, and this is a guy that I love, is Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. And we were at his pro day watching Bryce Young. And I watched Jameer Gibbs during the fall, and he was incredible. Uh, he has a little Alvin Kamara. He has a little... Uh, Dalvin Cook, he has a little Christian McCaffrey, all those things. He's asset. You can line him up a slot. He's an asset out of the backfield as a, as a receiver. Like I would not be shocked if he went in round one. And watching, he didn't run the pro day, but he ran in the four threes, four fours of the combine. I think the way in which that man moves, it, it, it just takes your breath away. And you're watching him around a whole bunch of other guys who move like that too. You're like, holy crap! The next day we were in Kentucky watching Will Levis, but Chris Rod- uh, Rodriguez was there. They're running back, who's more like Benny Snell. You're like, oh, okay. Well, that's they're they're living on two different planets. Yeah, the way they're playing. <laughs> so Jameer Gibbs is not a bad one B if you're going in that direction in round one. If the Bengals got here's how here's how I like to think about things. Like as you mentioned, I'm a Steelers fan. If the Jingle Bengals got Jameer Gibbs, I would be pissed. I'd be like, oh God, here we go. Like this is a bad pick for everyone else in the NFC North, AFC North. Bengals fans might feel differently because there are other needs. But Jameer Gibbs is a guy you put in automatically, and that team offensively is somehow better than it already was. Did you have other guys, Paul, from that lower part? That I wanted to ask about Sam Laporte I, because oh, yeah. you, oh. you, you're—I mean, I don't know if you're his agent or connected to his camp, but <laughs> you've got him going number fifteen. Uh, and, and obviously, the tight ends are a centerpiece for what the Bengals are talking about in this first round, in particular. Really, in the whole draft, I mean, I think that they'll they'll walk away with at least two. Uh, tight ends for out of their seven picks because they're just empty in that room outside of they signed Irv Smith for uh, 1.75, uh, which is fine, but they they need players there. Laporte out of Iowa, you have him going 15 to Green Bay. That's I haven't seen a lot of people have him up at the top. Like you said, 
any order these tight ends come. There's so many of them. They're all so talented. Uh, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned things that are being said about Laporta and the buzz that he could really surprise people. How high he goes. Um, what is it about him that that has you moving him up so high? Yeah. So that we heard that at one of the pro days because uh, the Iowa pro day had just happened. I think we were in Columbus at Ohio State, and Laporta and Luke Van Ness, Lucas Van Ness, his teammate, who's an edge rusher, who's 275 is probably going to weigh 290. He's a guy that never started a game in Iowa, but he's going to be a first round pick and he may go higher than people think. But the thing with Laporta, you play, they played in a dog crap offense. Like it was an offense that truly if, awful. If you and Jay just had 400 <laughs> beers a piece and then drew up an offense, it would be better than Iowa's offense. Like the, the things that you're like, what planet are we on where this is happening? So you have to take, and that's one of the things I struggle with with Josh Palmer, who's the wide receiver now for the Chargers. He played at Tennessee a few years ago. And I was like, yeah, I don't see it. And I had people tell me this is a good football player. The off the quarterback isn't very good, and that's exactly what happened. So those are one of the the, the the calculus you have to do to figure this out. He's a great athlete. He had a few focus drops, but I'm sure he was frustrated because he had guys throwing the ball at his feet all the time or 40 feet over his head or whatever. Um, and he's one of these guys that you feel like when he gets in the league and gets in the good system, like it, in Cincinnati, he might catch 70 balls like and just be a, a chain mover. Mark Andrews came out of Oklahoma, third-round pick. He's, like, he's a good football player. Oh, it turns out, no, he's great. And I think that's what you have in him. And Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame is more of the traditional sort of tight end who can line up in line, although he played a lot in the slot. He's a little bigger. He's a little better blocker. Dalton Kincaid and Luke Musgrave are all in the same sort of bucket with Laporta in that they're really good athletes, make plays down the field. You're not asking them to block a lot, but Laporta can block a little bit. And then Darnell Washington, who is 6'7", 265, and he actually feels a need in Cincinnati, less so now that since free agency, where he can actually, he's a legit blocker. Like he, yeah. he does that better than he does as a, as, a, as a receiver right now. He'll grow into that role. He's enormous. He said, I compare myself to Mercedes Lewis only because there's no one else that looks like that at that size to place tight end. But he's a better athlete, I think, and a better blocker now. But Laporta and the athleticism is what sticks out in his playmaking ability and his ability to move the chain, all the other cliches you can think of. But he's a threat at, at all three levels. And the reason I had him going in the first round is just because, to your point, like people had been talking him up, and I was like, "Yeah, let's see what happens and see if people get pissed about it." No one <laughs> yet, so I, I guess they're okay with it. I'm not. I'm not pissed about it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Mercedes Lewis had an interesting comp. He also was a number twenty-eight overall pick. Ooh. So if Darnell Ooh, Washington would happen to to fall to the Bengals, there, I'm curious because you talked about you know the, the teams leak to us what they want us to hear, and from from your standpoint. Because you, you're going to these pro days and and you're you have league contacts as well. How much do you pay attention to the to the beat writer mock drafts? I mean, or any mock draft when when you're do when you're doing your own, do you look at what other people are doing? And if you do, is it is it the one where the the it's people doing it that are plugged in with the teams and making the picks for them? You know what's funny, Jay? Like when I started doing the mock draft, uh, the, the draft coverage of the 2018 season, that was Kyler Murray and, and Daniel Jones. That draft class, like. My boss came to me and said, look, we need someone to cover the draft. I'm like, first of all, I haven't watched college football in 10 years. Yeah, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So I was like, all right. So I would be looking at these mock drafts trying to figure out what was what because I was playing catch up. And, and yeah. I started in October, so I was way behind. And it was a lot of work. And people like Pete Prisco and, and people I work with that were, were tied in helped me out a lot initially. And then, one, as I mentioned at the top here, what I found out, it's like, oh, no one knows anything. Like, we're just sort of making this up <laughs> as we go along. In terms of the mock drafts, I, I'll look at Daniel Jeremiah's mock mm -hmm. draft. I look at Dane Brugler's mock draft because they, they're obviously as tight in as anyone. And then one of my favorites is Bruce Feldman because he has he talks to probably four million people across the country about everything. Mm -hmm. And then he gets people on 
uh, you know, they're anonymous, but they get people on record saying, this is what we think. Coaching coach from Big Ten says this. And I'm like, oh, OK, so this gives me some insight in, into what people are thinking. And then sometimes I'll, I'll try to match it up with what I've heard and go from there. But that's not a BS mock draft. That's just Bruce Feldman telling you this is what I've heard based on the people that I've talked to. And a lot of times, which is sort of funny because Bruce is really good at what he does. A lot of freaks list guys are on there. Like, ah, yeah. Uh, turns out teams <laughs> like guys that are incredibly athletic, even yes. if they're <laughs> deficient in whatever area. But uh, so I, I'll look at them and take them in. Um, I don't like to look at it too much because I don't want it to affect me, which it did more previously than now. Now I'll just go with whatever. And I'm a little less likely to be, uh, have you know, have to go cry 15 minutes a day when I, when I see what people say on Twitter. I'm like, yeah. Uh, oh, I'll tell you this too quickly, by the way. Two years ago on TikTok, there was a Fire Ryan Wilson TikTok theme going on among... Wow, congratulations. <laughs> like 12 to 16-year-old boys, of course. Girls have better things to do. Would, would pull up my mock drafts and literally it would start with Fire Ryan Wilson. And yes. they would go on to the thing. So that was a thing now. I think it's less so now. I mean, honestly, though, I think that should that's, be an ultimate point of pride. I mean, yeah. that's what else do you, uh, what else can you ask every, for to be a TikTok trend? Every day, uh, every first, every, uh, let's see, the day of the draft, first round, every year I tweet out, oh, by the way, here's here's how things are going for me. So I, you'll get to see in, in 24 days. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. Um, I, I want to say that, you know, we always, of course, anytime we, it's just like if you if you ever do an interview with somebody like like this, you have all your own shows and stuff as well. You think of okay, what's what's the headline that people are gonna pull out of this? I have the one from you from our interview. I think I yeah. figured it out. It's just to say CBS's Wilson Cohen, Lavis is weird, gonna fall. <laughs> I think that's it. That's <laughs> it. That's, that was my main takeaway. Will Levis, weird. You know, you know what mine is? I have a <laughs> reminder that just popped up on my phone. It says reminder, get the dog poop. <laughs> well, we, we just got there right now waiting on you we just got a puppy and we got to go to the vet and i got to make sure I, I bring the the fresh stool sample so that that's my <laughs> takeaway from this podcast <laughs> is that now i have to go deal with dog uh yeah well i mean i'm just ha a, a new puppy and didn't show up in your uh in your office you must have it boarded off nicely or already well trained i i, I just i'm just gonna assume that you've already got it well trained let's go with that let's yeah. go with that <laughs> well good luck with the dog poop uh, and we're not talking about your mock draft. Ho! <laughs> Look at us go. Look at us go. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ryan. I always appreciate talking to you. So, uh, hey, good to see you guys. Have a thanks, good one. Ryan. We'll catch you. I'll be, I'll be uh, hanging out in your mentions uh, saying that you need to be fired. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Later, buddy. All right. So great chatting with uh, Ryan. Uh, always good to catch up with him. Good dude. A lot of fun. Great. Great conversation there. Uh, and hopefully you're feeling fully prepared for a snapshot as you go and fill out your, you just crush the mock draft simulator. Yeah. I, are they, is PFF charging people? Cause I, I already have a PFF subscription. So I guess I would, I wouldn't know because it's comes with it, but I, I've heard, are they charging now for the mock simulator? Again, I have a subscription too, so I don't know. I, yeah. I think it's free. I mean, you see enough of it. I assume not all those people have PFF subscriptions, but what do I know? Yeah, I, I know it was always free, but I thought I did see somewhere where people were complaining that they were charging for it, which would, I don't know if that would be I mean, smart it's pretty popular. part or not, but it is very popular. Um, one thing I want to do, if you are watching on YouTube and have some questions, uh, you can drop a few of those in, and then Jay and I will get to some Arby's after that. Um, but go ahead and drop your question into the comments. And we'll scan through them here and try to get to a few. Uh, one that I wanted to get to um, is, oh, I lost it. Okay, here we go. Ty Kendall here at 1101. If Darnell Wright, Michael Mayer, 
Bijan Robinson and Kalijah Kansi were all available. Misses, what a world, huh? Uh, who would you draft? It's an interesting combination. Jay, let's rank it. Let's rank one through four on this. Who would you draft if all four of these were available? So it was it was Darnell Bijan. Wright. Yeah, right in front of us. So the questions on front of us on the YouTube page here: Darnell Wright, Michael Mayer, Bijan Robinson, and Kalijah Cansey. It's a, it's a tough. It's a, I mean, there's these are a lot of guys that you don't think are going to be there. So right. it's basically, we're, you're you're putting together the Bengals big board with these four names alone. Um, I think I've got mine. I, I think would I'd go Darnell Wright. You go Darnell Wright one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you you start getting into positional value there. Obviously, that said. I'd have a hard time passing on Bijan Robinson <laughs> in this world. Yeah. Uh, where he's available. And I know running back. And I know you can find whoever. But this dude is truly special. You're getting Saquon Barkley comps. He totally fixes your running back switch. You're explosive and dynamic. He's everything you want to want to be this offense. And I know it's running back, but it's one thing to take to pay a running back Look, we talked about the pitfalls of paying joe mixon uh back when they did it um and what it could cost you it's another thing when you're investing a pick and i know it's your first round pick but you're close it's different when you're close and that guy can make a difference and you're not paying top dollar for a position you're 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 using a guy you're finding a guy on a rookie contract who really can make a difference and it's you're not talking about just any running back. You're talking about at 28, somebody getting Saquon Barkley comp. So for that, I would have him one. I would have uh, Darnell Wright two, Cansey three, Mayer mm -hmm. four. Um, with Cansey and Wright, that's a tough. That's really tough. But I would go with I would go with Wright, protect Burrow there but you love i mean you love everything Kansi could be he's he's kind of in a weird size range for them not that they're going to necessarily lose not going to care about that considering what his versatility could be uh but if that's a, maybe a tiny tiebreaker there so to answer your question ty that's 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 my four if joe mixon says yes mike brown i will play for five million this year does that change your decision there do you still go Dijon? No, I still go Bijan. I think Dude. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I mean, mixing. I guess would become your five million dollar backup at that point. Um, so I. I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Still no news on that front. Um, let's go and check out for. Uh, okay, let's look at Roland here. What round do they leave it to a pick running back? To me, it's got to be four. What What round do they pick a running back? To me, it's got to be round four. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that's the most likely. I mean, if we were doing, if we're doing a pie chart, you know, I'm thinking about pie <laughs> or, or what, I mean, I think it would be the largest slice. Um, if I was doing a percentage, you know, who knows, maybe 50% round four and maybe 
20% round five and 15% round, no, like 5% round one, like the Bijan five. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they have a quiet fixation for Jameer Gibbs, like Ryan talked about. Maybe mm-hmm. they're quietly holding that in and not telling anybody. I think rounds two and three would fill out the rest of it. Um, I think that's maybe that that's my pie chart there. I was going to say four. Yes. Would definitely be the biggest piece, but what's, what would be bigger three or five? What where, where's the five? More likely? Be, I think five, five would be bigger. Even if they make the trade back. At Boy, some point I think they're just going to be into other needs at that point. You know, I just, yeah. we talked about how they feel like they need another pick on day two. Mm-hmm. I feel like that feeds that where you're, they're not going to jump, you know, at a running back position where there's more depth that should be hanging out around when they have those other things we're talking about, whether we're talking about D line or the tight end or, or maybe it's a corner or whatever, whatever it is. I just think they're the receiver. There's other things to me that will take more precedence. And I think that we'll have options available that they would consider to, that would push it back for me. And way down the line, they don't do it a lot. They're not good at it, but way down the line, you're talking about with, with the, what what they might get comp pick wise next? Would they do a, a a midseason trade for a running back if it doesn't work out in the draft and you you go get a a mid tier guy just to kind of supplement that backfield? There's things you can do. There, I think there's plenty of things you can yep. do if you feel like there's a hole. Um, you know, I wouldn't put anything past them at this point. I mean, there's mm-hmm. especially running backs. You can add them in at any point. Yeah. Uh, and so there's there's times where you can go get a running back. You can find guys, um, I, even now, even now. Um, let's see. Let's see if I can find another question in here. Uh, let's go to Prime. What side of the ball do you focus on first in this year's draft, offense or defense, and why? <laughs> I mean, it's a it, – I, I don't know. You, you, I, you can't just say right now it's going to be this, it's going to be that. It's it, it, you're going to have to wait and see who is available. Because I, I guess I would lean more offense because I think right tackle is the most likely. Again, you're talking pie chart. That's that would be the biggest piece of the pie for a first round pick. But you, you could easily see corner and you could easily see defensive line, even though it breaks the trend. Um, I, I, I don't think you can say with certainty you can you can put percentages on it and and have a little bit more on offense because it you get tight in there with with offensive with right tackle but it's there's just so much that can be in play in picks one through 27 that's going to affect what they actually do at 28 yeah and focus on first i don't think necessarily to me means i'm not going to talk specifically about 28 i think it's about the first three picks and for that and i think for that you know, I I would lean offense because I, you know, they they filled a lot of defense last year, and while we did talk about needs and <clears throat> you know the idea of them going and going full heavy defense two years in a row, while not impossible, it, I, and I don't think it necessarily, you know, means anything uh, because it could just be the way it fell and BPA at the, in the first pick or whatever. But I still think offense is sitting there for them. Uh, to to fill it feels like an offensive draft when they, they lean a little bit more in that direction, especially when you consider a little bit of the urgency of the tight end position and some of the other spots uh, that they could fill. And but 
again, I, I don't know that there's one that they feel predisposition to do in the first two days. I think there's you can judge by some of the spots they're more likely to fill that it would be an offensive lean. But I, I don't think that there's a heavy lean necessarily one way or the other because there's plenty that they can do with this roster right now. Okay. Um, all right. Well, unless you see another question, Jay, I'll I'll cut it off there and we'll go to Arby's. Yeah, yeah that's good. Okay. All right. Uh, Arby's, Jay, what do you got? Um. I, I, I shouldn't be too surprised by this, but I kind of was because, I mean, I live in Cincinnati and I went to Indianapolis for the Luke Combs concert. But the the number of Bengals gear I saw at Lucas Oil Stadium for that for a country music concert was it just kind of reminds you of the the reach that this team is is having um, outside of this area. And again, it, it's probably a lot of people from Cincinnati driving over like I did. But you just you know, you don't you don't really see that a lot at something like that. If it was a Bengals game, sure. If it was a college football game, yeah, but it was it's a country concert and a lot of people were rocking the Bengals gear at that at that show. Look at you. Luke Combs and Indy <laughs> hanging out. You roll rolling solo. Like shout out, you know, stand up for the people not being afraid to go solo to the concert. You know? I'm doing it again tonight. Shine down. Yeah. At Heritage shine, Bank. Shine down solo, man. Uh yep. Go get it, Jay. Go get it. <laughs> Keep an eye on how many Burrow jerseys you see there. And, and if you if you see Jay near, you say hi and then let him let him push his way through you. He's coming through anyway. I have a seat tonight. I'm not in the pit, so I'm I will actually get to sit down for a couple times over a six hour period. Okay. Um I I have I have two. One, I want to start. So as I'm going through our my look back at the 2020 draft series, I was trying to go through some of the stuff from linebacker that year. They took three. <laughs> uh, and so I went back to our draft strategy series that year. And Jay, you did linebacker. I sent this to you. Yeah. What a show you put on in this <laughs> in this linebacker draft strategy series. I hadn't, I don't know if I, maybe we talked about it then and I've just forgotten. What an incredible remember, show, yeah. Jay. First of all, you have... You have a chart here about run grade and pointing out that they would be valuing some people that did have some high run grades to go with their ability to cover. Logan Wilson, top of that list. Uh, Jordan Brooks was next, who was a guy they really targeted in round one and didn't end up getting. Uh, Clay Johnston was next on that list. <laughs> uh, and three down from that was Akeem Davis Gaither. You. Bocce's even on that list. Uh, so you had, you had him on there. Senior Bowl spotlight section, Akeem Davis Gaither. You go deep into pointing out him and why he would be a great fit for that and why I liked him. Sleeper to track, Logan Wilson, Wyoming, uh, pointing out all the reasons why Logan Wilson would make sense for them. The other sleeper to track, Marcus Bailey, <laughs> Purdue, pointing out the leadership and the captain and stuff and coming back off injury. Those were the three names that you mentioned in there. Only one thing that didn't quite fit, and that was the actual prediction. Also, where they'll take one, you said day two would be the start of it, which it was. Uh, and your prediction was Tony Die in round three. So wrong guy, but right spot. Uh, poor Tony Die screwed you from, yeah. from a 300 game, basically. I mean, just nearly perfect in, in the draft strategy series. I'm just like, look at this. 
You just you got to it's it's like it's like you were just laying it out for everybody. Just unbelievable showing, unbelievable showing by you. Yeah, I did leave the ten <laughs> pin in the last round, last frame. Um, the other thing I have is now I'm going to try not to go to a dark place here. Uh-oh. There's this news about Joe Burrow becoming the number one Cincinnatian and <laughs> and overtaking a five year run of Fiona the hippo. I I wrote a story on Joe Burrow during their first playoff run. And it was a, there was a quote in it that became the headline that was like, he wants to take your freaking soul. It was about <laughs> Joe Burrow. And I feel like Joe Burrow and Fiona have these things in common. Fiona also wants your soul, wants to eat it, wants to <laughs> eat you. Cause Fiona's a hippo. And the fact that this hippo is a lovable, the story is great. Appreciate the social media impact, covering up the Harambe mess. However, this hippo had a five-year run. <laughs> it took till now for Joe Burrow yeah. to replace Fiona the hippo. This hippo, who's fine and cute. Hippos, if you gave Fiona the opportunity right now, a hundred of hundred times, it would eat your face. That's what hippos do. That's it's yeah. not Fiona's fault. It's not Fiona's fault. Fiona's a hippo. It's what hippos do. Okay. So the love, I, I've I've gone off on this topic many times, but I am just I'm just still stunned that there was anybody that was voting for five years for Fiona the hippo. And it, last year, Burrow's Super Bowl run wasn't enough. Yeah, that's surprising. Fascinating. <laughs> Sorry, I just ha- I have strong Fiona feelings, and anytime I see Fiona's name show up, look, I take my kids to the zoo. We go; they like the hippo zone. We go. We look at Fiona. It's fine. We have some books about Fiona, but I'm always biting my tongue. I don't want to ruin it for them. But there will be a day where I'm going to tell them the truth about Fia- Fiona <laughs> and and Big Hippo, the world of Big Hippo. The question is, now does Team Fiona stuff the ballot box next year to try to get her back on top? Or if not, how long does Joe Burrow hold on to that spot in the city beat pool? Oh, will Burrow break Fiona's streak? Yeah. Five straight years, that seems pretty doable. If if Burrow can win a Super Bowl in the next two seasons – He's definitely breaking that streak because that that will that will last the extra two years past the Super Bowl, no question. Uh, so I'm saying, yeah, I, I I think I'll say he does. Um, I'll I'll say he does unless some other animal that likes to kill humans comes along and everyone decides they should love it. By the way, we're not bearing the lead here. He has not signed an extension yet. We are just assuming he's going to be here for five more yeah. years, yeah, six, get, yeah, seven. I guess we're also contractually obligated to mention the borough contract extension status on every podcast. So I'm glad yeah, we, we just snuck it in. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up. We've done enough damage. We'll be back on Thursday uh, again, talking about Bengals trends, uh, who this team is, what they look for, sizes, rounds, positions. Dive into a few of those and talk to Greg Seaman, longtime Bengal scout, now does some work at PFF um, uh, about Duke Tobin and uh, who the Bengals have been and and maybe are still uh, as a drafting team. Really looking forward to that on Thursday. So come on back for that. 
Draft coverage, wall-to-wall, officially kicked off, Jay. Does it feel good? It does. It does. We've been waiting for this. Yeah. Makes the hairs on your neck stand up. (laughs) Love it. All right. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you Thursday.